I feel like I have to say something pithy here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here by myself. Uh, Walker and I were supposed to be talking to Cantley Platy this week. Uh, some RES scores on some rookies. Um, RES, I realize it's uh, like ATM machine saying RES score, but some RES on some rookies. Mike's unavailable this week, uh, and Walker had a family emergency. So um, my thoughts are with them and with their family, and um, it's just me this week, so it'll definitely be less funny. Um, and it'll probably be a shorter episode, but what I'll be talking about today is um, I submitted my ranks to Fantasy Pros. Um, if you listened last week as a patron, you would have heard uh, everybody talk their top tens. I submitted my projections to Fantasy Pros, and when you do that, it gives you back a little thing that says, uh, here's who you're higher on than consensus, and here's who you're lower on than consensus. So I have that for each position, and I'm going to highlight a few guys uh, that Fantasy Pros let me know I was higher or lower on than them, um, than everybody else, and kind of defend myself, talk about my reasoning. So I hope that helps everybody out. So uh, let's get right into it. All right, first up is the quarterbacks. So if you've been listening to us or seeing me on Twitter, you're probably not surprised that the first guy that I like more than consensus is Jalen Hurts. I have Jalen Hurts as 71 overall. He's my QB5. Uh, the consensus on him is, um, looks like, 96 overall. Um, and it doesn't give me uh, the uh, the expert consensus rank on that and that. But uh, by projection, he is QB3. <laughs> but everybody seems to rank him a lot lower. Granted, Fantasy Pros uses only two sources for projections right now. So um, by expert consensus, uh rankings Hertz is QB7 so it looks a lot bigger um, when you look at it overall rather than the um, you know five versus seven isn't very big uh, it's basically the same tier I have him probably at the top of tier two um, fancy pros consensus has him at uh, the middle of tier two so um, they have Joe Burrow at six a uh, little more on him later that's a, that's a tease um, my thoughts on Jalen Hurts are uh, basically he runs a lot, uh, a lot, a lot. He had uh, 700 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns last year. So, um, you know, that gives him a nice floor. And then one of the big knocks on Jalen Hurts is that he can't throw the ball very far or throw the ball very accurately. And, and to me, that doesn't matter when you have A.J. Brown because you can give A.J. Brown a slant and then he's gone. So, um, you know, I have him going uh, from last year where he threw 3,144 yards, 16 touchdowns. I have that going up to 3,895 and 26 touchdowns. So you can see the difference there between Hertz last year and Hertz this year is a lot more touchdowns. I think a full year with Dallas Goddard as the sole tight end, I think with A.J. Brown, with Devonta Smith, dropping to the number two option i think that'll be helpful for hurts i also think he'll throw a little bit more in the red zone um miles sanders famously no touchdowns last year i think that changes as well so i have jalen hurts at five uh consensus rank has him at seven but um i have him two rounds earlier at uh, pick 71 whereas everybody else has him at pick 96 
Second is going to be Lamar Jackson. Um, I just see a big bounce back for Lamar Jackson this year. Um, you know, the consensus on Lamar Jackson has him as QB4. I have him also as QB4, uh, but somehow uh, by rank, I have him going earlier. I think that's, uh, it's only about a round. I have him at 55. <sighs> Fantasy Pro's consensus has him at 66. So you're only looking at really a round, but uh, at the beginning of the draft, a round's a lot, especially pick 55 versus pick 66. Um, I just see a big bounce back from Lamar Jackson. That's that's really all it is. I really believe um, that by streamlining the offense, not messing around with Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews, it'll help Lamar get down the field and get down the field in a way that is more helpful for fantasy points, which is with his legs um they don't check down to running backs if there's something that comes apart lamar jackson's gonna run it so lamar jackson last year finished as qb 15 but that's because he only played in 12 games he suffered an injury and people are gonna say oh you know running quarterback they get hurt all the time blah 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 he threw he got hurt on a pass he was in the pocket when he got hurt so he averaged 23.4 points per game last year uh, in FFPC scoring, which tied him for six. But that also includes 1.4 points in the game where he got hurt because he only attempted four pass attempts and rushed twice for five yards. If you count the games where Lamar Jackson didn't get hurt after like eight plays, um, he averaged last year uh, 25.44 fantasy points per game, which if you prorate that out to the whole season, would have been QB4, ahead of Patrick Mahomes, who averaged 24.9. So this idea of a Lamar Jackson bounce back actually happened last year, but it's not being priced into his cost this year, which is huge for us because, um, you know, he only played 12 games last year. There's the idea that, oh, he's going to get hurt, but he got hurt on a pass. If you watch him run, he's actually very good at preserving his body. So I'm not too worried about that with Lamar Jackson. So um, I have Lamar Jackson as my QB4. Like I said, consensus on him is also QB4. Uh, the third quarterback that I'm higher on is Dak Prescott. I have Dak Prescott as QB8, pick 83 off the board. Uh, by consensus ranks, he is QB8 as well, but he is uh, only uh, two rounds later or he's going two rounds later, sorry, 24 picks later, so he's going at pick 107. I don't think there's much to talk about here. Um, I just think that, um, yes, the Cowboys lost a lot with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, but I think Jalen Tolbert will be a suitable replacement for Michael Gallup. While Michael Gallup is out, I think CeeDee Lamb will be a suitable replacement for Amari Cooper. I think Dalton Schultz steps up. I think more targets to Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, who are both very good pass-catching backs. I think he's well worth the QB8 pick. The guy that I'm actually kind of shocked on that I'm higher on than everybody else is, else is Matthew Stafford. I have Matthew Stafford as the 91st pick, uh, two rounds earlier than consensus. Um, for me, Stafford is QB9, but at the same time, he's QB11 on Fancy Pro. So this is where we start to see a little bit of a gap. Um, I just think that Stafford is going to grow from his year last year. Cooper Cup has to take a step back. There's no way that he doesn't. There's no way anybody stays that efficient for that long. But Odell Beckham was essentially just a touchdown guy. Robert Woods was good, not great, until he got hurt. And 
say what you want about Tutu Atwell, I'll roast him all day. That gives him a deep threat option. They didn't really have too much last year outside of Cooper Cup, uh, if he can play. They also have Van Jefferson there still. And the addition of Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is very interesting because Allen Robinson was a pure volume guy. And then last year he got hurt, didn't get the volume, and then he kind of dogged it a little bit uh, for the Bears. Um, you can see he would take plays off and stuff like that. So I would say that uh, Allen Robinson has a huge bounce back. Allen Robinson, you know, just talent for talent, better receiver than Robert Woods, better receiver than Odell Beckham at this point in their career. So this is actually an upgrade for Matthew Stafford going into this year. Um, I, the running back situation does kind of worry me from a Rams overall perspective because we saw Cam Akers last year. Cam Akers was not good. Um, he rushed back from the Achilles tear. Hopefully, you know, for fantasy football purposes, he isn't that player that we saw at the end of last year that he just came back too early. As a 49ers fan, I hope that he is that player. Um, I hope he has a long career as a touchdown vulture and, you know, uh, maybe he can learn uh, some some pass blocking and stuff so he can bounce around the league to do that. Um, but it doesn't seem like as of right now we're going to see the Cam Akers that we saw in the past. And that, that kind of sucks. Um, but um, I also think that uh, Cam Akers kind of saved a lot of fantasy analysts from themselves this year in redraft leagues. I was thinking about that, that um, when Cam Akers was coming back, people were doing that whole 2022 early projections and he was in the top 12. Now he's like consensus in the 20s. I have him, I think, 26. I just don't believe in the, the Achilles tear recovery and what we saw wasn't uh, super enticing. So um, back to Matthew Stafford. I just think that another year in the system with two really good uh, wide receivers, um, you know, the, the sky's the limit. Uh, he can get If he can get uh, Higby involved, that'd be great as well. Um, or we kind of forget that uh, there was a uh, Josh Harris, tight end wide receiver convert that um, we had some hype for going into last year. And um, maybe he uh, puts it all together this year. We'll see. So now that we've talked about the quarterbacks that I like more than consensus, let's talk about the quarterbacks I like less than consensus. Um, I'm going to bunch three guys um, up together. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan. Um, I have Kirk Cousins pick 115. Um, he's going pick 103. Derek Carr, I have pick 109. He's going pick 88, which is kind of weird. Um, Matt Ryan, 149. He's going at pick 121. Um, I just don't... I don't like taking these guys. These are kind of fallback guys. These are back-end quarterback ones that are borderline on the draft the draftable list. I just they're kind of your QB ten through fifteen. The guys in the past that have been like Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. Um, it's kind of evolved into being Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. I mean, Matt Ryan was on that list for a couple of years as well, and he's still around there. These just aren't guys that I want to draft. I think they'll be valuable fantasy assets for you. Matt Ryan more on a streaming basis. Derek Carr, if he and Devontae Adams can get it together. And Kirk Cousins just kind of is a metronome. He was like QB9 last year. He just doesn't have upside. Like QB8 is his upside. If I'm going to draft a quarterback in a one-quarterback league, I'm going to go with upside. I'm going to go for a guy that can be top five at the position. I mean, in a lot of drafts and a lot of... Uh, Drafts that I've been doing, uh, Superflex, I've been I've been doing a handful of them, uh, two quarterback or Superflex. I've been getting um, my second quarterback as 
Jalen Hurts, obviously, because I think he's top five, but um, also you want to get guys like Trey Lance or Tua or Justin Fields and in one quarterback leagues over these guys because if Lance falters or Tua falters or Justin Fields falters, you can get a Kirk Cousins on the waiver wire or 80% of Kirk Cousins on the waiver wire. So, you know, it's 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 the upside play here that has me pushing these guys down. So I'm just going to set all of those guys aside and 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 cover them all at once because it's it's the lack of rushing upside that you know tom brady had 43 touchdowns last year and he was qb3 and that's kind of what you need um aaron Rodgers had 37 last year and he was qb7 so it's like you need those numbers to have upside and i'm sorry i just don't see um you know kirk cousins <laughs> or uh you know kirk cousins had 33 touchdowns last year Derek carr had 23 but you know he's getting Devontae adams so you know, I just don't see that real upside there for them. So let's talk about, talk about one guy that does have upside that I'm just lower on than most people, and that's Joe Burrow. So it's not that I hate Joe Burrow, okay? I don't hate Joe Burrow. I have Joe Burrow as quarterback 13. Reason being, Joe Burrow doesn't really run, okay? Joe Burrow, you know, we had this idea of him at LSU where he was running around a lot. He tore his ACL. He doesn't really run anymore i have him only projected for 33 rush attempts and um last year that was kind of what he did just uh, ran a little bit here and there uh he ran 40 times for 118 yards i believe seven of those were kneel downs so he ran the ball about two times per game for about you know you subtract the kneel downs you're looking at about 110 yards so about three and a half yards per carry there's just not upside there he scored two touchdowns which is nice but um you know that's more of a, a cherry on top than anything else so um i believe in the Bengals offense i believe in joe burrow i believe in jamar chase and t higgins and even tyler boyd i've been a tyler boyd hater in the past but i think the hate on him's gone too far um i believe he's his adp's in the 40s uh wide receiver 40s so it's not that I don't believe in the Cincinnati Bengals offense. It's that I believe that the Cincinnati Bengals offense is built in such a way that it limits Joe Burrow's upside. And here's why. A lot of his touchdowns last year came to long catch and runs to Jamar Chase. You can't necessarily count on those from year to year. You can't necessarily count on those getting cashed in. Second, they were the second slowest team running 1.88 plays per minute while on offense. You think about a play clock that's almost as slow as you could possibly play <laughs> like like statistically so they're going to slow the game down and they're not going to run a lot of plays third they beefed up the offensive line to me this means they're going to try to focus a little bit more on joe mixon a guy that i've always had around like running back 12 running back 13 he's my running back eight this year and you know kev my surgeon roto surgeon will tell me that i'm being a hater i'm not i like joe mixon but for all these reasons, it just it doesn't feel like Joe Burrow has the like 45, 46, 47 touchdowns in him. And that's what he'll need. He'll need to go up this year from um, 34 touchdowns last year and a 6.5% touchdown rate. Aaron Rodgers led the league with 7% last year. That'll need to go up to high 30s, low 40s. So for him to be a guy that I want, you're looking at him leading the league in touchdown rate. Or the Bengals adding like 100 passes to their offense. One of those two things could happen, and I can see that those could happen, but that's a lot to try to, to build into using Joe Burrow 
as one of your starting quarterbacks, especially where uh, Fantasy Pros has him ranked. He's the QB6 off the board, ahead of Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott and Tom Brady and Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, all guys I would much rather have than Joe Burrow. Once we get past there, we get to Deshaun Watson, who I'm not drafting for other reasons, and then uh, Trey Lance, QB15, uh, Derek Carr, QB14, Kirk Cousins, QB16. I already talked about guys I don't want there. Um, but Joe Burrow kind of has gotten bumped up, I think, because he had that amazing playoff run, amazing Super Bowl uh, run, um, where the team went deep into the playoffs. Joe Burrow kind of helped helped push that along by putting them on his back. I just, I don't know. The offense is just so slow. It's mix and focused, and I don't think we can bet on the Jamar Chase, you know, 80-yard touchdowns this year. So now that we're done with the tight ends, let's rotate over to running backs. So with the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, we're looking at half PPR scoring. That's what I use. Splits the difference between PPR and standard. So um, let's start with the running back that I think I like more than most people, and that's Aaron Jones this year. I have him as the eighth overall player. Uh, Expert consensus rank has him as 24. Um, I just see Aaron Jones getting a ton of volume for the Packers this year. Um, one of the guys that I don't like as much as consensus is Aaron Rodgers, but I, it, it didn't rise to the level of making the report, really, um, because I don't see how this offense runs if it doesn't run through Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I think that those are the two best weapons on the field for Aaron Rodgers, and it's not particularly close. I'm not an Alan Lazard fan. Sammy Watkins can't string three good games together. Christian Watson so far is just MVS 2.0. And by 2.0, I mean they're basically the same height, weight, ran basically the same 40, basically the same arms. Physically, they're basically the same. And Christian Watson's early reports out of camp are that he's struggling with drops, which was MVS's Marquez Valdez-Scantling's issue for his entire time in Green Bay. Um... Sorry to everybody who wants Romeo Dubs to be a thing. I don't think he's going to be a thing this year. Um, who else is there? I don't know. Reggie Bagleton, Jared Aberderis, uh Jeff Junis. Or is that the baseball player? <laughs> Jeff Janis. I mixed J- Jacob Junis and, and uh, Jeff Janis. Um, and I'm missing somebody. Jake Kumro. Uh, just the, the list of guys that we believed in, in in Green Bay that never went anywhere. But they don't have Devontae Adams anymore. Green Bay doesn't have Devontae Adams. So that makes their best offensive weapon Aaron Jones. Aaron, jo- I have Aaron Jones projected to lead the league in targets. I don't really see a way that this offense functions in Green, Green Bay if Aaron Jones does not get 80 targets. And A.J. Dillon doesn't get 50 targets. So I have Aaron Jones, like I said, my eighth overall player, my running back five. Um, so I'm basically penciling in Aaron Jones in the second round in every draft. Um, this is kind of the difference between ranks and how they work in practice because I have Aaron Jones eighth. Push comes to shove, I won't have to take Aaron Jones eighth. I could, you know, if I'm if if I'm drafting towards the end of the draft or at the end of the round, I can probably gamble, get him in the second round, which is more than likely what I'm going to do. But I have a feeling, given this uh, expert consensus rank differential uh, to my rank, or have him as the eighth overall player. I think that I will have a lot of Aaron Jones this year, and I think that everybody else would bode well to also have a lot of Aaron Jones. I mean, that's why we're here, is to give you advice and what we see, and I see a big uh, efficiency boost from Aaron Jones this year, because, um, you know, I, I say it a lot on Twitter, I say it on the podcast sometimes, a zero-yard catch in PPR is worth the same amount of points as a 10-yard run. So think about that. 
Farron Jones gets 63 catches, you know, that's an extra 630 rushing yards equivalent. And that's before you even get into the receiving yards. So those points alone are enough for uh, to boost Aaron Jones up for me. So the second guy that I like a lot more than consensus is, uh, is Daryl Williams. Um, so I hope Walker is hearing this, and I hope they just pump their fists. Uh, shout out Daryl Williams, a guy that I've called Beryl Williams in the past. Um, he... This kind of feels like cheating because, um, you know, he signed with the Cardinals, so not everybody's had a chance to adjust their ranks. But I have, I have, um, I have Daryl Williams as my hundredth overall player. He's 196th by uh, consensus rank. Um, he's going to fill that Chase Edmonds role. He's going to be the one B to James Conner's one A. And there's, I'm conceding, there are going to be times where Daryl Williams might be the one A in the game. Um, for the Chiefs last year, he had 47 receptions, 452 receiving yards. Both of those ranked inside the top 10 at uh, running back last year. He also was fourth in yards per reception, sixth in catch rate, and he did all that with just one drop on. Um, oh, I lost the targets. Oh, there they are. I'm 57 targets. Sorry. Um, so. He was incredibly efficient as a pass-catching back, and the pass-catching back credo, uh, why run four more yards when few yards do trick? If he's catching the ball out of the backfield, if he's getting four catches per game at, we'll say, 10 yards per reception, just to do the math easy, that's starting you off with eight fantasy points of PPR. It's before you account for rushing. That's before you account for him getting more than four catches. That's before you account for touchdowns. The Arizona Cardinals are different from the Eagles and from the 49ers, how I predict them being with Trey Lance, and the Ravens, in as much as they utilize the running back um, in the passing game. Those other teams, you know, uh, have have uh, rushing quarterbacks, but they don't really utilize the, um, the running back so much. Um, the... Cardinals passed the ball to the running back 17.3% uh, of the time last year. That was more than the Steelers uh, did, and Najee Harris led the league in targets last year. So there's a lot of room here. Um, that's about the same at the Chicago Bears. Um, Dave Montgomery had a lot of um, targets last year as well. And if you go, well, you know, I, I don't know how comfortable I am uh, with, you know, only a 17.3% target share and uh, leaning into Darrell Williams. Well, the Chiefs had a 17.5% target share to running backs last year. So you're basically working with the same overall target volume. So um, shout out Beryl Williams. Um, call him Beryl Williams because I'm going to put straps on him and wear him around. That's, uh, that's my plan. Uh, next two guys, I'm going to kind of lump them together because uh, they are, for better or for worse, oddly tied together. Um, and those two guys are Marlon Mack and... Um, Tyler Algier. So you go, Jeff Howard, Marlon Mack, Tyler Algier tied together. They're on two different teams. They're not even in the same division. Well, let's start here. Marlon Mack I have is my 98th overall player. Um, I can get him in the 14th round. Um, this is just what projections did. Um, that is 68 picks higher than the consensus. And Tyler Algier, I have him as pick uh, 134. Uh, his consensus is 184. These two guys are tied together because there is a lot of uncertainty surrounding their roles in their respective offenses. Marlon Mack with the Texans, who went out and drafted Damian Pierce as well, and then Tyler Algier 
with the Falcons who have Cordell Patterson, quote unquote, because Tyler, uh, Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson essentially played two different positions. And then who else do you have there? Like, I honestly could not tell you who the Atlanta running back behind Tyler Algier is off the top of my head. Oh, that's right. It's my old friend, Damian Williams. So basically what I'm seeing with both Dame, um, sorry, Tyler Algier and Marlon Mack are two things. Uh, one, there's a lot of uncertainty about the situation. Two, not great offenses. Three, <laughs> we're not sure if the players are good. This is what happens when you take a stand on projections. You do things like having Marlon Mack inside your top 100. Do not draft Marlon Mack inside your top 100. But if it comes down to Damian Pierce or Marlon Mack, I'm taking Marlon Mack. If it comes down to Tyler Algier and Damian Williams, I'm taking Damian Williams. I might have a thing against guys named Damian. Um, you know, maybe it's my latent Catholicism bubbling up. I don't know. But starting with Marlon Mack, um, Damian Pierce is just Marlon Mack. They're the same player. Marlon Mack is coming off of uh, Achilles tear. Um, and this whole thing could blow up. And that's why I say don't take him inside the top 100. I'm projecting him to be a top 100 player, but you probably want to take him in the 12th round or something like that. And the 140s is probably what you're looking at in terms of where you can get Marlon Mack. Going to co-sign that all day long. I have absolutely no problems with that whatsoever. Um, it's because Damian Pierce is going to have to earn his touches um, as a rookie who honestly isn't all that great. In an offense that's not that great, and he didn't get that many touches in college. And when he did get touches, he was kind of uninspiring with them. Like last year for Florida, um, who uh, he had, uh, let's see, I lost it. Oh no, I can't ask Walker or Mike to cover for me. Oh, here we go. In 2021, he touched the ball 119 times for 790 yards. That's a guy that's supposed to dethrone Marlon Mack, whose biggest sins are tearing his Achilles and not being as good as Jonathan Taylor. So in that situation, I'm going to bet on Marlon Mack because I believe in Marlon Mack as a player and I don't really believe in Damian Pierce. Now, I'm not saying Marlon Mack is some overwhelming talent. These are just guys that I liked more than consensus, so I let the numbers guide me to tell me where to go. For Algier, who again, I have at pick 134, consensus is 184 so we're not really talking about guys that i'm saying pounding the table for like go get tyler algier and i think tyler algier has a chance to lead the atlanta backfield because i don't believe in damian williams and like i said Cordell patterson um essentially plays a different position than algier so if you don't know tyler algier he is a bowling ball he's out of byu um he just bowls through defenders um, you know, he's among the FBS leaders in broken tackles, yards after contact, rushing yards, touchdowns, etc., etc., over the last two years. And he has to beat out Damian Williams, who just turned 30 on April 3rd, and he has to beat out Cordero Patterson, who is, I believe, 31 or will be 31 when the season starts. So he just turned 31 as well in March. So two older guys. Another thing. Cordell Patterson had his career high in touches last year with 205. He broke down significantly at the end of the year because he had 205 touches when his previous career high was 85. He's just not built for that. He's also in his 30s. Damian Williams also had his career high in 2019. He sat out 2021 or 2020 because of COVID, never really got going last year. 
But in 2019, he had 141 touches, which was his career high. His second highest was 73. So these are guys who aren't used to getting the ball that much. So I don't believe in Damian Williams as a talent. I think that he's good in short bursts. I think he's better suited as the short end of the stick um, of the backfield. But if you look at the reasons why people like Javante Williams, and I'm not saying Tyler Algiers, Javante Williams, if you look at the reasons why people like Javante Williams, he breaks tackles. He's hard to bring down. He plows through guys, basically saying the same thing in different ways. Those are all true of Tyler Algier. So he is essentially a less athletic Javante Williams who is going at pick 18, um, which is wild to me. So those are guys that I like more than everybody else. Um, those are running backs I like more than everybody else. Let's talk about running backs I like less than everybody else. So I kind of mentioned him already. Um, Javante Williams. So Javante Williams is an interesting case because by ADP, he is pick 18. By expert consensus rank, he's pick 30. Uh, I'm sorry, I have him at 30. He's 19 by expert consensus rank. So I have him 11 spots lower. And this is basically what it comes down to. And I'm going to give you homework, okay? amazing website great website uh friend of the podcast he hasn't been on but he's friends with uh <laughs> i'm friends with him at least josh larkey used to work for playerprofiler.com part of roto underworld and you can get all kinds of stats on the site if i cite an advanced stat it's usually from player profiler and it's all free so what i want you to do is i want you to go to playerprofiler.com i want you to look up melvin gordon and i want you to go to playerprofiler.com i want you to look up javante williams and after looking at those two production profiles and understanding that Melvin Gordon will be back this year, I want you to tell me definitively which player will lead the way. Okay? Because last year they split touches almost down the middle. Uh, Javante Williams had more catches than Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon had more uh, red zone touches. Yards per touch, yards per carry, uh, broken tackle rate, juke rate, all those numbers are almost the same. So guess what I did this year? I just kind of split it down the middle again. Because Melvin Gordon's back. And Melvin Gordon came back on like a $5 million deal, which if a contract is low, I say don't do, don't base your analysis on the contract. Because, uh, for example, James Conner, 2021, he had, I believe, a $1.8 million contract. All that means is that there wasn't a second team bidding for his services. It doesn't mean that the Cardinals don't want or didn't want James Conner, it just means there's no second team bidding for his services, so he got a very low contract. With Melvin Gordon, they paid him $5 million to come back. $5 million, and they have Mike Boone there. Mike Boone could just back up Javante Williams, and they could have saved $5 million. <laughs> they need it. They have Russell Wilson's contract on their books now. But they brought back Melvin Gordon, and they did that for a reason, and they did it after the draft. So that means Melvin Gordon had every chance to, to sign with another team. And he didn't. He came back to Denver because they had a plan for him. And they paid him five million bucks to enact that plan. I think it's it's not going to be straight down the middle. But it's also not going to be a situation where Javante Williams is getting like 80% of the touches. Like a lot of people on fancy Twitter want to have happen. So he's ranked as a top 12 uh, running back. I just have him like 16, 17. And because of that, I'm going to be a quote-unquote hater but, you know, if, if that's what it takes to be a hater of Javante Williams, then call me a hater of Javante Williams. I just, I believe in the talent. I think he's a good player. I just 
don't know how I feel about those touches. So the second guy that I already touched on when I was talking about uh, Matthew Stafford is Cam Akers. So Cam Akers is a guy that I have going at pick 53, and by consensus, he's pick 32. Reason for this is I have him in my 20s at running back, and he's in the high teens for everybody else on the website. The Achilles scares me so much. And that's, you know what, we'll talk about Travis Etienne as well. Travis Etienne is another guy that uh, other people are higher on. They have him as pick 26. I'm sorry, that can't be right. <laughs> that has to be a typo. Um, let me double check this. Okay, they have him as pick 50. I have him as pick 74. That's the difference. Okay. So they have him at 50, I have him at 74. So that means Cam Akers' consensus is at 32, and I have him at 85. That sounds more right. With both these guys, I don't trust the injuries that they're coming off of. Travis Etienne has a Liz Frank fracture. That always, actually don't want to say always. My wife's telling me don't say always so much because it's never always. A lot of the time, the vast majority of the time, that Liz Frank fracture causes issues. There's a study out there, 87% of productivity the year after the, the fracture. With Cam Akers, we saw him come back from the Achilles tear. He wasn't good. He was not good. And this kind of continues a trend from his rookie year where he didn't do much to start the year. Then he smashed a handful of teams at the end of the year. But all the teams that he smashed were in the bottom 10 in rushing DVOA. I'm sorry, the bottom half in rushing DVOA. He played two teams in the top 10 in rushing DVOA at the end of the year. The Niners, I believe the Cardinals. And he fell on his face. That's in 2020. Then he tore his Achilles, a notoriously difficult injury to come back from, came back from it very early, and was horrendous. And now we're just going to dive right back into this Cam Akers well. With Travis Etienne and Cam Akers, you got to think about your team's construction. Okay? There's almost no discount happening here between Etienne and Akers. Maybe a round, maybe two. I am going to let those science experiments play out on another team's roster. You've got 13 weeks until the playoffs. You've got, each team has a buy, so you're looking at 12 weeks of production before the, to make the playoffs. Okay? With Travis Etienne Cam Akers, you're probably sitting around for a month, month and a half, before you feel comfortable moving on them if they're bad. And if they flash well, you're probably not comfortable selling high on them. So you're kind of in this limbo where they have to be good at these prices. And the things that could make them not good are completely out of their control. It is physical limitations. It is recovering from a Liz Frank injury. You can't be built different to have your Liz Frank injury, your Liz Frank fracture heal differently. You can't be built different to have your Achilles tear heal differently. So I'm not going to have these players on my roster at their ADP because I don't want to be part of the science experiment. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Big whoop. 
One player in your league will be right on these players if they both come through. One, one each. If you can't overcome skipping out on a player, going in, uh, you know, pick 32 or pick 50, then you have problems with roster construction. I don't want to buy in at those prices. It's like I was talking about Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. People want to bet that the Melvin Gordon-Javante Williams split changes, and they want to bet a top 20 pick on it. I want to bet that it stays the same, and then I want to bet a pick outside the top 80. If I'm wrong, it's much less disastrous if they're wrong. And trying to say one way or the other that you're going to be correct is fallacious. This comes in from a lot of dynasty thing where we just stare focused directly at the talent and not the situation. Situation ain't great for Javante Williams. Situation ain't great for Travis Etienne. Situation ain't great for Cam Akers. I don't know why I got all folksy there and said ain't three times. Let's talk about another running back that I don't like as much as consensus. Rashad Penny. So Rashad Penny by consensus is the uh, 56th pick off the board. I have him as pick 82 and here's why. Rashad Penny can't stay healthy. End of sentence. Um, you get a lot of people on Twitter talking about how, um, you know, injury prone isn't a thing and blah, 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 blah. I don't buy that. And I don't buy that for one very specific reason. It's because I come out of fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball long ago determined that the best indicator of future injury is past injury. It has to do with musculature. It has to do with how the player rehabs, what Everything to do with the player, it also has to do with their play style. If you play a certain way, you're more likely to get hurt. Talked about it with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson slides, he runs out of bounds, he doesn't take big old hits. Rashad Penny loves to take big old hits. Rashad Penny is kind of a bowling ball guy. So while Rashad Penny is healthy, I don't have much of a doubt that Rashad Penny is going to play well. We saw it at the end last year where you know he finally was able to string five, six games together. And, you know, with that happening, he ended the year, I think, with five straight games of 130 straight uh, plus yards. Let's see. Yeah, he finished the year with, oh, I'm sorry, four out of the five. He had over 130 yards. He averaged 134 yards per game in the last five games of the season. Those were also the only time he really was able to string five games of significant touches together. So that's why I'm, again, I'm not taking the experiment with Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny especially because the Seattle offense wants to run the ball. They don't dump the ball off to the to their running backs. So that's the sort of thing where everybody is, is putting that knock on Ken Walker, which is fine. It's a fair knock to have on Ken Walker, especially in the Seattle offense. But nobody is turning around and putting that same thing on Rashad Penny. And guess what? Ken Walker and Rashad Penny are the same player. Their RAS might be different. Their height and weight might be different. But when they have pads on and they're in between the white lines, they are the same football player. Very boom bust, very good high end speed, home run hitting players. Can't catch football worth a lick. Sorry, haven't caught a football worth a lick. I think Ken Walker is a better ball catcher than people give him credit for. Call, call it a Freudian slip if you'd like. But I'm not touching Rashad Penny because he's got to run the ball. He's got to run the ball well. He's not going to get free points from, from catches, and he's a huge injury risk. And I believe that injuries are a thing. I believe that injury prone is a thing. So sorry to, you know, because we can't predict exactly when somebody is going to get hurt, 
um, you know, we, we tend to poo-poo an entire thing about, um, you know, whether injury-prone is or isn't a thing. So that's Rashad Penny. So I just want to recap really quick. We're about the halfway point. going to talk wide receivers, tight ends in a second. Um, but the quarterbacks that I like more than consensus that I've highlighted are Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford. Quarterbacks I like less than consensus that I've highlighted are Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan. Running backs I like more than consensus that I've highlighted. Aaron Jones, Daryl Williams, Marlon Mack, Tyler Algier. And ones I like less than consensus, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, Rashad, Penny, and Cam Akers. So let's do a quick reset. Let's talk about wide receivers. So wide receivers, it's actually, I'm more in line with the consensus on everybody on wide receivers. So it's harder to find guys that I liked more than consensus, but there are a handful of guys. I'm just going to say the name Amon Ra St. Brown. Okay, I'm Amon Ra St. Brown, pick 63. Uh, consensus is pick 78. I've talked Amon Ra St. Brown to death. He's not a guy I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about Mike Evans, though. Mike Evans I have as the number 12th player off the board. Consensus on Mike Evans is that he is the 24th player off the board. Here's why. Mike Evans is my wide receiver four. I feel good about it. Here's why. Mike Evans has been in the league for eight years. Okay. Here is a list of players who have gotten at least a thousand yards in each of their first eight seasons. Mike Evans. Pause for dramatic effect. End of list. So he is in rare company. Uh, here are the players who have done it seven out of eight seasons. Mike Evans with eight out of eight, then Brandon Marshall, Torrey Holt, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and Lance Allworth. This is rarefied air that Mike Evans is in, and he does not get the credit that he deserves. Uh, Mike Evans has, uh, let's see, Mike Evans has four seasons, I believe, with 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Every player with five is in the Hall of Fame. So he's basically shooing for 1,010 this year, and that basically com completes his Hall of Fame resume. So we're talking about Mike Evans as a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Literally every other player with uh, five seasons of 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns is in the Hall of Fame. Mike Evans has come up just short. 2018 to 2019, he had eight touchdowns in each of those years. If he'd pulled that off, he'd be a shoo-in. But let's look at not what Mike Evans has done, but what Mike Evans is likely to do. Um, let's look at Tom Brady. Retired, unretired, he's coming back for one last ride. He's number one or two in the last two years in attempts, completions, yards, and touchdowns. Chris Godwin towards ACL very late in the year. He's not, a, he's not a lock to start the season. Russell Gage is a good player. He's a difference maker. He is a quality wide receiver. He's not a guy that's going to be uh, a quote-unquote number one. He's a 700-yard-per-season guy which has their role in the NFL and has their role in fantasy football, but they're not a guy you take my targets away from Mike Evans to give to. We don't know if Gronk is back. We don't know what Leonard Fournette's going to look like in the passing game, or Rashad White, or Giovanni Bernard, or, you know, if it's Cam Brate there. O.J. Howard is gone. Antonio Brown played himself out of the league. And by played himself, I mean, uh, in the DJ Khaled sense, congratulations, you played yourself, uh, played himself out of the league. So it's one of those things where um, 
the guy who's likely to come close to leading the league, if not leading the league in every passing category, has one weapon to throw to that he trusts and that he's been playing with and that has a high likelihood of coming down with the football. And that's Mike Evans. So I have Mike Evans for 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns. Because we saw when Mike Evans wasn't getting the targets when Tom Brady was trying to figure it out, he was still the red zone weapon. And then he was the downfield threat. I think this is the year with Tom Brady that he puts it all together. You know, 2021, no slouch. 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns. 2020, 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns. But without a healthy Chris Godwin to start the year, and even if he plays, I don't think Chris Godwin's going to be fully healthy to start the year. you got to give him some extra yardage. Also, no Antonio Brown. Got to give him some extra yardage. Gronk, we're not sure if he's playing or not. Got to give him some extra yardage. So, with Mike Evans, I have him so high because I truly believe in Mike Evans. This is why I love an, uh, an auction league, salary cap draft. Because in salary cap drafts, I know I'm going to like Mike Evans, and I know I'm going to like Aaron Jones, and I know I'm going to like him more than everybody else. So, I'm going to be able to put winning bids on those players that I see as steals. So, Mike Evans, Aaron Jones are likely the guys that I will be putting my flag in uh, to uh, start the draft. So, let's keep going. Um, after Mike Evans, um, Brandon Cooks. I mean, do I need to talk about Brandon Cooks? I have him as my wide receiver 13. Um, the consensus to him is in the late teens. It seems to change daily. But he's picked 52, and I like him at pick 39. That's a fourth-round pick, um, and he's going in the fifth or sixth round. I can already see my draft starting to take place, where I'm going to have a lot of Aaron Jones, a lot of Mike Evans, and a lot of Brandon Cooks. And I had a lot of Brandon Cooks last year, and it worked out for me. I did the same thing with Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup last year. worked out well for me. Brandon Cooks, I talked about the 1,000-yard seasons, uh, how Mike Evans is 8 for 8. There's only seven guys, and I listed them off, who've gone 7 for 8 or better in their first 8 years going for 1,000 yards or more. At, at wide receiver. Brandon Cooks has done it six out of his eight years in the league. Brandon Cooks has also done it with four different teams. Brandon Cooks has also done it with Jared Goff and Davis Mills. Granted, he also did it with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Don't want to short shrift that, but Mike Evans also did it with Tom Brady. So, Brandon Cooks is really, really good. Like, sorry to apologize to everybody about this, but Brandon, Brandon Cooks, it's what he does. It's right there in his name. He he is the only target in Houston. He's the only guy in Houston going in the top 150 picks uh, by Fantasy Pros ADP. He is so good. And people just don't want to realize that. I was doing mock drafts. I was getting him in the seventh round on Sleeper. I will do that every single day. 13th in deep targets last year, 7th in air yard share, 13th in receptions, 12th in unrealized air yards, which means there's nowhere to go but up. 9th in true catch rate. True catch rate is receptions on catchable balls on player profiler. He caught 96.8% of his catchable balls. So that means that if you threw him a football, he was coming down with it. 5 drops, whatever, 3.8%, that was 35th. Not a big deal. 
He is so good, and he's going to be almost the entirety of the Houston Texans offense this year. Which, say what you want about the Houston Texans offense, but we spent all last year talking about how um, Brandon Cooks couldn't be trusted because, um, you know, he, because of his quarterback. Well, 90 catches, 1,000 yards, 6 touchdowns. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Especially considering he had 1,000 yards, Seven touchdowns with Tom Brady in 2017. So, you can kind of see right there. Um, people also worry about his concussions. Guess what? It's redraft. If he gets a concussion, it'll be sad. I mean, I don't want to belittle concussions. He's had a trouble with them in the past. Functionally, for our purposes, no different than tearing an ACL. Functionally, for our purposes, no different than uh, tearing a bicep. Going to put you out for the year. If he's out for the year, he's out for the year. It doesn't matter how or why. He's just out for the year. This is the argument people use for Will Fuller, who, by the way, I'm surprised didn't show up on this list. Um, I'm getting Will Fuller in basically every draft. I know why he didn't show up on this list, because he doesn't have a team. That's why. So, um, we're talking about Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks. Let's talk about Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks has an uh, uh, expert consensus rank of 98. I have him at 48 very easy straight across the Tennessee Titans don't have to change their offense period they can put Traylon Burks into the AJ Brown role um, I comped him to AJ Brown before the draft um, I said you know everybody's looking for a Debo but this guy's an AJ Brown he's basically the same exact player AJ Brown gets traded the Titans use that pick to draft Traylon Burks yes he had an asthma issue big whoop I you know when I was a kid Doctors thought I had asthma because my allergies were so bad. I can tell you, when pollen's in the air, it'll affect your asthma. It'll affect your breathing. Also, his first practice. I don't care. Call that the Jamar Chase, um, uh, the stripes. It's hard to follow football without the stripes. Call it that for 2022. So, on Burks, really easy. Very, 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 very good. It's going to be the focus of that passing game. Um, and when healthy, A.J. Brown's a top 10 fantasy receiver. Now, I'm not saying Traylon Burks is going to be top 10, but there's plenty of room in there for him to be top 20. So if you can get him late in your, later in your draft, like say pick 98, then you're cooking. You're off to the races. Um, so the four guys that I like more than consensus, Amon Ross St. Brown, I didn't talk about. I'm done talking about Amon Ross St. Brown. At this point, either you're in or you're out. There's nothing anybody can say about uh, Sun God to change your mind. Then Traylon Burks, Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans. So wide receivers I don't like. There's actually only really three. Because like I said, I was mostly in line with consensus on wide receivers. It's also the same on tight ends. And we'll talk about tight ends a little bit more in a sec. They're more clumped together. It's more difficult. Um, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is... Uh, I have him as the 87th player off the board. Consensus is 48. DK Metcalf, I am his 37th off the board. Consensus is 17. I can tell you exactly why. Um, by talent level, Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton might be on the same level as DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But we haven't seen that yet in the NFL. And the reason we haven't seen that yet in the NFL is Drew Locke. Guess who Drew Locke's throwing the ball to this year? Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Their backup plan is Geno Smith. Their backup, black backup plan is either Baker Mayfield 
or Jimmy Garoppolo, in which case I say, good luck to that. I'm basically not touching the Seahawks passing game this year, period. So that's why I don't like Tyler Lockett. That's why I don't like DK Metcalf. There's not a lot more to talk about there because they are just, bleh. They're hands off to me. I'm not touching the Seahawks passing game, period. So uh, the other wide receiver I don't like as much as consensus is Kadarius Toney. And it's not a big deal. Kadarius Toney is 122. I have him at 147. There's a lot of mouths to feed in New York. Daniel Jones doesn't, let's get the metaphor right, he doesn't have a lot of food to give out. I guess that's the I guess that's the uh, the thought process there behind mouths to feed is that the football is their food, so um, that kind of makes sense because they say they cook and stuff so they prepare the football. So uh, I just don't think Kadarius Tony is going to consume as many footballs as a lot of people think he will. Um, I think he's the best wide receiver on the Giants. I think he's better than Kenny Galladay. He showed that last year. I think Kenny Galladay was a one year wonder who malingered. Uh, until he was able to get his contract, and good for him, he got his payday. But, you know, they've got a lot of guys in New York. Hold on one sec. Let me pull up my New York uh, wide receiver uh, so I can talk about that a little bit better. So, we've got Kenny Galladay, got Kadarius Tony. I've got them at wide receiver 42 and 56. Then they've got Wandale Robinson, who I have at wide receiver 57, who's basically a tiny Kadarius Tony. He's a lot like Rondale Moore. I believe he's 5'7". Uh, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, uh, Dante Pettis. Got a whole mess of guys there. Uh, Saquon Barkley gets a ton of targets. I just have trouble seeing a world where um, Kadarius Tony gets that many targets because Daniel Jones doesn't pass the ball that much. And he isn't that good when he throws the football. So to me, that's sort of a, a red flag to try to to go after guys in this passing game. The Giants are a lot like the Seahawks in that if I'm wrong on a player there, so be it. I'm just not really super interested in investing in them. And at the right price, I will take Adarius Tony. The right price just seems to be two rounds later than everybody else. So not a lot of wide receivers I don't like to talk about. Like I said, Lockett, DK Metcalf, two sides of the same coin, Kadarius Tony. There's just too many mouths to feed there and I don't trust the offense that much. So let's talk about tight ends. Let's talk about tight ends. My favorite. Um, I'm just going to get this out of the way. There are no tight ends that I specifically like more or less than consensus in enough detail for me to want to talk about them. Reason for that is that tight end is a blob. It is a mess. Um the whole situation with everybody basically being the same means that if i have a guy ranked at tight end 19 and another guy has him ranked at tight end 11 it looks like a big gap between them but for example in my ranks that's like three points over the course of the season it's a problem with ordinal ranking you know if you do tier ranking it's like this tier is huge it's like tight end 10 to like tight end 20. so it's hard to find guys that i really don't like as much as everybody else are guys that I like more than everybody else because everybody kind of has the same opinions on tight ends. And I did a study this offseason. Um, we're good at picking tight ends. Everybody says they're dart sh- uh, a dart throw, a crapshoot, all that stuff. Thirteen, I think it was 13 of the 15 tight ends at the end of the year were top 15 in ADP. And if you figure that Logan Thomas and Bob Tunyon got hurt, that kind of makes spaces for the breakout guys. So... 
my apologies for the knuckle crack. Uh, <laughs> so that's the sort of thing where, um, you know, tight end is mostly the same. Everybody has their opinions. There's not a lot to differentiate. Like, you know, most everybody has Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, tier one. Your, or your order is up to you. Nobody's going to argue with you. Most everybody has Darren Waller, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, tier two. Tier three is some mix of TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, maybe Mike Gesicki. And then tier four is like everybody else. <laughs> like everybody you've ever heard of. I'm um, sorry, Dalton Schwartz is in tier three. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's hard. It's, it's hard to differentiate at tight end. There's not a lot there that, that differentiates things. So looking at my tight end ranks versus the um, consensus, um, I know one guy, I'm kind of mix and match here. So one guy that I like a lot less than everybody else is, is Dawson Knox. So I'm not going to do um, overall ranks. I'll just talk about um, sort of nominal ranks inside the position here, the tight ends, because it's 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 all over the place. Um, so I have Dawson Knox as as tight end 20. By expert consensus rank, he's tight end 10. Um, the reason for this is that uh, sort of the same reason I didn't like Bob Tunyon in 2021, which is um, he's going to need a lot. Of things to continue to go very well for him to continue to produce as a top 10 tight end. Um, Knox didn't get a lot of targets last year. Um, he just scored a lot of touchdowns with those targets. Uh, he only had 71 targets last year. He ended up with nine touchdowns, which boosted him up the ranks. This is very similar to Hunter Henry, who has a consensus rank of tight end 14. So not a guy you're going to you know take as your starter. I have Hunter Henry down at 27. Uh, just more mouths to feed there. But Dawson Knox, you know, if he gets 75 touch uh, targets again this year, he's probably looking at about 50 catches, 600 yards, six touchdowns, which isn't bad. You know, like I said, he, by my projections, 119 and a half fantasy points. Tight end 11, Pat Frymuth is 137. So that's like one point per game over the course of the season. Tight end 12 is uh, Cole Komet, 125.9. That's six points separating tight end 20 and uh, tight end 12. So it's not a huge thing here. I just don't believe in Dawson Knox as much as a lot of people do. A lot of people are putting him at the top end of the blob, whereas I'm putting him towards the bottom. Um, a guy that I... Let's see, I did a guy I didn't like as much. Here's a guy that I do like more than everybody else. Um, Zach Ertz. He's picked 97 by uh, expert consensus rank. I have him as pick 71. Uh, I have him as tight end 8. Uh, he's tied in 10 by consensus. Um, he's just very, very, very good. Um, one thing that I was talking about last year that I'm continuing to look for this year, a lot of people chase fantasy points with tight end, which makes sense. That's what we want, right? We want fantasy points. We want to them to score points because that's what gets us uh, victories. But here's the thing about going after fantasy points. Think to yourself. Okay, here's another exercise, just like I gave you guys homework before. Um, think to yourself, how much is a touchdown worth? How much is a catch worth? If you play in full PPR, that's seven points. One catch for a touchdown is enough to get you inside the top 15 at tight end. But unless you're a tight end that's scoring a touchdown every week, that's not what I want from you. 
that's the cherry on top. That's what saves my hide when you go two catches for 17 yards and a touchdown. What I want and what I chase is guys who average four catches for 40 yards. Because that tells me they're very involved in the offense and they get enough stuff going on with them in catches and yardage that I don't have to worry about them if they don't score a touchdown. It's like, yes, I want the boom games. You know, I want 100 yards and a touchdown. But you don't get that very often from tight ends. Zachary's last year averaged 45 yards per game on four catches. Huge bounce back from his 2020 in Philly. And here's the reason why. In Arizona, he averaged five catches for 52 yards. Five catches for 52 yards. That's your talk in your George Kittle territory there. Now, he does it more consistently than Kittle. Kittle kind of booms and busts. But from your tight end slot, you can just kind of, okay, Zach Ertz is, is getting me points. And when you factor in the DeAndre Hopkins of it all, who's going to miss six games, and you factor in the uh, losing Christian Kirk, repre- replacing with Hollywood Brown, who's a more downfield threat, and when you consider that Rondale Moore is slowly merging into his future as a gadget guy, then you kind of have to like Zach Ertz because he is going to get a ton of targets, receptions, and yards with the Cardinals this year. So Zach Ertz is probably the tight end I'm most likely to draft this year just because he's at the right nexus of value and um, and production. So this won't shock anybody that um, has been following uh, football absurdity for more than a couple years. Uh, Another guy that I'm higher on than consensus, Mike Kosicki. Uh, Mike Kosicki's pick 110 uh, by consensus. I have him, I don't even know if I want to say it. I have him in the 70s. I'll just say he's in the 70s. Um, I have him ranked as my tight end 8. And then by uh, expert consensus, which I seem to have lost. Oh no, Mike Walker, vamp for me while I find this. There we go. By um, consensus rank, Mike Kosicki is tight end 12, and his ADP is pick uh, 113. So I like him a lot. I like him a lot. So I know I did rank and pick, but that's, um, you know, just kind of jamming them together. So I, I love me some Mike Kosicki. Um, that's nothing new. I think that uh, it was very interesting that the Dolphins tagged Mike Kosicki. Because I thought that new head coach um, Mike McDaniel would be moving on from Gesicki, to be completely honest with you. Um, Because the 49ers love their tight end to block. Gesicki famously is bad at blocking. So (laughs) it's uh, one of those things where it was kind of a head-scratcher to um, see him get the nod there. The, the, hey, you're not going anywhere. And... um, you know, I'll I'll take a I'll take a shot on the tight end for Mike McDaniel, especially the tight end for Mike McDaniel that just all he does is catch footballs, and by all he does is catch footballs, I mean the man doesn't block. Like I can't underestimate that. I can't underestimate that enough. He had a, far more targets than you think last year. Now, before I say how many targets he had, I want you to think how many targets did Mike Kosicki have last year? Eighty, ninety, hundred. 110, 112 targets last year. He averaged 6.6 targets per game. That's incredible. And guess what he averaged? Four catches, 46 yards per game. He only had two touchdowns. But guess what? 
not only having two touchdowns didn't really hurt you because he had all that production. Now, he was inconsistent with it. He had a game where, you know, I uh, lost pretty much everywhere because he had zero catches for zero yards on seven targets. And for those of you keeping track at home, that is zero fantasy points. So zero fantasy points out of your tight end slot kind of hurts. But if you're playing those touchdown or bust guys, guess what you're going to get a lot of the time? That uh, touchdown or bust uh, gets you bust a lot more than you than you uh, want to admit. So uh, I like Mike Gesicki a lot more than consensus. Um, again, it's just every year. No matter where consensus ends up, I like him more than. Um, the next three guys I'm actually going to talk about together um, because it just represents a philosophy rather than anything about the individual players. I like Kyle Pitts more than consensus. Um, I have him at 24. Consensus is 38. I like Waller. I have him at uh, 27. Consensus is 51. I like George Kittle. Uh, I have him at uh, 29. Consensus is 48. This tier of tight ends is the last tier of tight ends I feel really good about. So we talk about like you know getting guys that you can trust, and um, I'm finding myself dipping my toe into the water, getting a Mark Andrews or getting a Kyle Pitts or getting a George Kittle or Darren Waller. Because I believe in these guys, and I believe in these players, and I think that it's something that um, we would really uh, do well to maybe get one of these guys, and, and guys that we don't have to worry about. I'm not worried about Darren Waller getting targets. Kyle Pitts is the only player worth his salt in Atlanta, and George Kittle is up and down, but I think he'll be up more than down uh, in 2022 with Trey Lance. So um, I like them more than consensus. So those guys kind of all go together. There's two more tight ends that I don't really like, and I've kind of touched on both of them. Noah Fant, he goes from a Denver team that loves to run the football, and he couldn't really go through with it because his quarterback was Drew Locke, and you know he never really reached his upside, and I think he's a very good football player. He's just held back by a lot of stuff. And now he goes to Seattle. He's traded with Drew Locke, so he's still stuck with Drew Locke on a team that throws the ball very little. They would run the ball a 1,000 times per game, if uh, if they had their druthers. So he's just in a bad situation. You know, I talk about this 4 for 40 um, that we looked for, you know, instead of chasing um, touchdowns. And last year he had 4 for 42, which was nice. Um, you know, so he hopefully can do that again this year. But, you know, he had 90 targets last year. Um, let me see if I can find the last time a Seattle Seahawks tight end had 90 targets. Um, I'm probably going to be checking for a while. So Gerald Everett had 60 last year in 2020. We're going to do this painstakingly together. I'm going through targets on uh, uh, Jacob Hollister had 40. I have a feeling we're going to get back to Jimmy Graham before we see 90 targets. Uh, let's say 2019. I'm going to go with Will Disley. Let's see. Seattle. Jacob Hollister again with 59. 2018. So you can see that he's just not going to get targets. It's just not part of the game plan. Nick Vanette had 43 in 2018. We're really going to go all the way back to Jimmy Graham, aren't we? Uh, Jimmy Graham had 96 targets in 2017. So I know what you're thinking. I know what you're going to say. Nick Vanette, Jacob Hollister. Those guys aren't on the same level as, as Noah Fant. And you're correct. Okay, you're absolutely correct. 
if I had to put uh, Noah Fant into a talent here, I'd put him alongside Jimmy Graham before I'd put him alongside Jacob Hollister and Nick Vanette. The problem is, is this offense is going to be very bad. It's just going to be bad. And any goodness out of this offense is going to go to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the running backs. I don't see a lot left for Noah Fant. So when we're in this group where we're talking a lot of same guys, Noah Fant consensus is 15. Um, I have Noah Fant as, oh my God, 26. But he's not that far from 15. Again, less than a point per game. When we're in tight ends, it's really splitting hairs because they're all so samey. They're looking for a lot of the same stuff. So I like Noah Fant less than a lot of people. I just think he's not going to get that many targets. I have him getting 82 targets even. You know, but he's behind Tyler Higby and Austin Hooper and Brevin Jordan, Hayden Hurst, Mo Ali Cox, Dawson Knox. So he's in my 20s. Uh, right behind him is Hunter Henry, who, I, who is at 14 in consensus. I have him at 27. Um, they added Devontae Parker. They added Tyquan Thornton, which, okay, Tyquan Thornton. Uh, John o. Smith has to get his this year. Um, you know, Jacoby Myers will probably, you know, actually get multiple touchdowns this year. There's a lot of mouths to feed there in um, New England, which is good. Ah, let's not forget James White, Pierre Strong, who can catch a football or two. Um, Kevin Harris, another rookie running back. There's a lot of weapons there, and... Um, while that bodes well for the Patriots overall, it doesn't really bode well for any one individual player. And because of that, when you're doing projections, and all this is off of straight projections, I haven't really tweaked to these yet, um, you get in these situations where you're like, man, is Hunter Henry really going to be my tight end 27 when all said and done? No, I'll probably goose these numbers up to get them around 18 or so. Um, but then I have a hard time because I don't, I don't know how I put him ahead of Gerald Everett or the new rich tight end David Njoku, who are my 18 and 19. Really what I need to have happen is Rob Gronkowski to either you know what or get off the pot. I have him with like a placeholder at tight end 15. And once that kind of goes, we can start to go from there. So tight end is weird because there's not a lot to differentiate. And so, you know, guys that you like, the difference between guys you like and guys you don't like is oftentimes razor thin. So... I think that'll do it. Um, you know, I don't, it, it's, it's hard to do this solo. I'm sorry if I got rambly. I'm sorry if I lost my train of thought. Um, you know, usually I have a chance to refocus with Mike or Walker chatting. And I did take a couple little breaks in there, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, we'll be back next week in the Patreon feed. I'm not sure what we're going to do yet. Um, haven't had a chance to talk about it. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash absurdity. It's three bucks a month. It gets you every other episode of the podcast. It also gets you the draft kit. So what the draft kit is, is starting in January, I work my tukas off to put a lot of content up on the website. And it's a lot to go through in redraft season. So basically what I do for you is I put all of it into a nice little document. I sum up team changes. I give you a, the team um, schedule. I give you player stats. I'm sorry, I should say we do that. Um, we also have what to remember from 2021 about every team. So things you might've forgotten, we talk about every rookie fantasy relevant rookie they drafted sleeper breakout bust for every team and player profiles. Um, my goal this year is at least 160 player profiles. Um, so we bundle that all together for you. It's literally eight months worth of work on the website, bundle it all together for you. Nice slick presentation, seven bucks to buy it outright. Three bucks, uh, gets you onto the Patreon and you get it as part of your thing. 
We also, unlike a lot of draft kits that you'll buy at the store, we update it once a week during the preseason. So um, it's usually a Tuesday or a Friday. I don't know why. Those are the days that I tend to update it. So it'll either be a Tuesday or a Friday. Every week you'll get a new one in your inbox. And we, I track the changes for you um, so that you don't have to go, okay, so this is a new edition. Let me, let me filter through everything and try to figure out what's changed. So you have all up-to-date information when you draft. Um, you can follow the website on Twitter at FBallAbsurdity. To be honest, we don't really use it. Um, because there's some issues with auto posting. Um, so we tried to get everything over to at Jeff Crisco, which is my Twitter feed, also because I have more followers. Um, you can follow Walker at Big Daddy Drix with an X. Um, you can follow Mike at RFL Red Zone. Check out our Discord at tiny.cc slash FB Absurdity. We'd love to have you over there to chat. Again, the website is footballabsurdity.com. Uh, Twitch.tv slash footballabsurdity. Evan and Leader are going to start there. Um, streaming again. They do uh, salary cap draft streaming to talk strategy. Um, we also are probably going to put those up on YouTube this year as well. So uh, you can check us out there. Um, you just have to search Football Absurdity. We haven't really used our YouTube channel because we had an exclusivity contract with Twitch last season. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, so check it out. Um, I'm going to stop rambling now. Uh, thanks for listening. Take care and you have a good one. Bye bye. I'm putting this little bit at the end uh, to act like I'm talking to somebody else, but I realized the bye-bye was an Evan thing, not a Mike or Walker thing. So, toodles.